Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include but are not limited to professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Your discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ therefore forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. All right, Tim, the question for today's episode is, was Jesus suffering from anxiety in the garden? Yeah, this is one of those mind-numbing observations that people make um, that really is frustrating. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it is very frustrating. I have to agree with you there. Absolutely. Uh, and it's very annoying when people... It, it, yeah, I know. Je but Jesus was suffering from anxiety. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, I picture them sounding just like that too. So, um, you know, I, I try not to be characterized by frustration, but then I, I really do think this frustration is a righteous frustration on my part. <laughs> it's like a, like the, the most biblical eye roll that you could ever. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, like, if Paul were here, Paul would eye roll too, you know? And so it's that kind of thing. But um, no, I mean, generally when you're talking about any of the psychological disorders for anxiety, uh, particularly like general anxiety disorder. You're talking about something like that. You know, general anxiety disorder is six months of persistent worry. So it's six months of uh, persistent anxiety and worry, more days than not, right? So more days or not that like affect a person in a, you know, statistically significant way, uh, you, know, you know, with sleep loss, sleep, um, sleep gain, you know, weight loss, weight gain, all that kind of stuff it affects your performance and job. But you're talking about like six months of persistent, like more days than not characterized by excessive, excessive anxiety and worry. And so when you're saying something like that is sinful, like six months, six months, you know, <laughs> of persistent, like life dominating anxiety and worry more days than not like this excessive like when you say something like that is sinful, people will go, well, Jesus, like, anxiety is not a sin. Jesus was, you know, he was anxious in the garden, you know, like, what's wrong with you? Didn't you know that, you know? <laughs> and so I, I think it is one of those very frustrating things that people will say. Well, I and, mean, to be fair, you know, to be fair, Tim, I mean, God is outside of time. Okay. <laughs> a day with a you know a a few minutes with Jesus in his human nature and or a, a few hours with Jesus in his human nature in the garden. It's like six is, months. It's like six months <laughs> uh, for normal human beings, and so yeah, well, you know, so uh, I got you there. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that that's obviously a, a very dumb 
thing to say. Yeah, obviously. So, yeah, no, I mean th- these these things are very. Like, what you're talking about is like very different kinds of phenomenon that are happening, and you know it's um it, it's obviously frustrating, but it's just like two. It's like very different kinds of things. So I mean, over and over again, Jesus says, you know, why do you worry about your life? You know, what you'll eat and what you wear and what you put on. And is the body not more than food and you know clothing and all that? And consider the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and you know all that. So I mean, Jesus tells us like worry is. Like it's pointless. It's you know it's unnecessary. Uh, it's uh, you know worthless. Like we shouldn't we shouldn't be worried. And Paul will tell the same thing: be anxious for nothing, with everything with prayer and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So over and over again, when you read the Bible, you're going to read that like the Christian should be characterized by love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faithfulness, self control. Not not. Uh, you know, anxiety, persistent anxiety over, you know, just normal, you know, difficulties handling normal life problems. And so, you know, Jesus obviously experienced um, an intense period of stress in the garden. Like he certainly had like intense stress in the garden. Um, But whatever you you're describing that that's not sinful worry like that's not the same thing that paul is talking about or jesus is talking about this is not sinful result worry that's resulting from a distrust in like god's sovereignty um, or like you know just a pervasive general sense of like guilt and shame and condemnation that uh, comes like destabilizing guilt shame that are coming from you know unconfessed sin and things like this and so or there's fearing just, man yeah it's fear of man so like whatever jesus was doing in the garden he, he wasn't you know violating what he tells us like he wasn't fearing him who destroys the body right in that moment right like so this wasn't the fear of man like jesus like in the garden he obviously like had you know underwent a trial that i think most like most like no one could uh, not most but no no human being you know has gone through a comparable trial like that he is going to you know have the entire weight of all of the sin of every human being throughout the history of the world. He's going to bear that on the cross. And then he's going to, you know, cry out in anguish to God, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the kind of, you know, experience he's having is, you know, looking at that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, basically, like the trial there is to you know you, you basically have two impulses one to save humanity and one is to not have like a relational break of fellowship with like the father in that way right in terms of like his humanity to not like bear the weight of sin you know for the whole entire world and to um have to cry out my god my god why are, why have you forsaken me so like that that was the nature of his you know stress that was the nature of his trial that he was experiencing and you know the the end of the matter though was yet not my will but thine right right yeah so so when you think about like the nature of his trial he was successful in that trial and if there's any kind of correspondence that we're ever going to find like relating with Jesus it's not by giving in to anxiety and worry for a six month period of time more days than not and be absolutely and totally characterized by a sinful distrust of God in those moments I mean Hebrews twelve four tells us in your struggle against sin you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood and i think that is a reference to jesus in the garden like he's resisting like um um uh, you know like for him it wasn't like um resisting his own personal sinful temptations that are arising from a sinful heart 
but he he did you know face like this decision that you know um that like going forward is going to mean like um that he's going to bear the weight of sin for all of humanity in that moment and that was a trial for him and he did like he did experience the fear of the lord in that moment and not wanting to displease you know the father in that way and so from that point, he he done everything according to the will of God, and then he's facing a point where now he's going to have to bear all the sin for humanity. And the only way that we can even relate to that in a small way is to stand firm against temptation of our own, right? It's like the, and and you're never going to stand firm in the way that Jesus did, okay? Right, uh, but right. like, but you know, like like what you don't want to do is like find some kind of parallel in your own experience in saying that I gave in to sin and waved the white flag of surrender for a six month period of time. So me and Jesus went through the same thing. It's like, no, he stood firm and he went to the cross and he did so completely obedient, both internally and externally to the will of the father. And, you know, the, if you want to feel a small measure of that, you fight the own, your own temptation in your own life and, and see what it's like to actually stand firm, you know, in the midst of trial instead of rolling over the moment you feel slightly tempted. And then that maybe, you know, some give you some small measure of being able to identify with him, not by just rolling over the slightest uh, sign of temptation and be characterized by your sin for months at a time. Well, and, and doesn't it seem, I mean, like, uh, you know, in the most charitable way you can put it, doesn't it seem extremely disrespectful to look at what Jesus was going through, you know, facing the fact that he's going to be punished by the father for the sins of the whole world, looking at that and then saying, and that is why it's okay for me to feel anxious, you know, about being in spaces with a lot of other people. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's what's absurd about it. So like you have one picture is a picture of resisting in, in victory, right? So Jesus is, is a picture of resisting and vic, you know, victory, right? And then, you know, our, like, what we're supposed to do is say, hey, he can identify with us in our weakness by pointing to examples of absolute surrender on our part, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, absolute surrender, comprehensive, like, surrender that we take no responsibility for whatsoever. They, these are just, you know, yeah, it's an insult to God. It's an insult to the garden. It's an insult to Christ. And, I mean, it's an insult to God's grace. Like, just to, you know... Um, to take, you know, some sort of passage like that and try to draw any kind of parallel on those lines. You're just talking about two completely different things. Yeah, okay, fair enough. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move. Thank you.